You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I'm very stoked to be with you today for a very special extra episode because I wanted to shine some light on a fellow craft beer and metal content creator. That's right, people. I wanted to shine some light on Adam Zuniga, who is the man behind the six most metal breweries they got a whole bunch of cool stuff that's going on today notably they just premiered their pilot on banger tv and not only that they just re-released the morbid hour black pilsner from king's county brewers collective you got to support your craft beer and metal brothers, and that's exactly what I'm doing today. Get ready, people. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 213. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everybody? Today, I am with Adam Zuniga of the Six Most Metal Breweries. I am very, very stoked to be with you today because, uh, you know, you're an awesome metal and craft beer creator, and uh, I should hang out with just about everyone that does uh, something similar to me. So uh, I'm very, very stoked to be with you tonight. How are you doing there, Adam? Very well. Hails, Matt. I admire what you do, and thank you for having me on. Very, very cool. Let's start with a very simple yet complex question. How have you been coping with 2020? Uh, By drinking. (laughs) (laughs) By drinking at home, copious amounts of beer. And, um, you know, as heartrending as it's been to see just how breweries are coping with Corona now that it's more than just a shitty beer, but a pandemic. Um, At first, all the kind of laws relaxed. It was beautiful to see like uh, in the U.S., at least, breweries were able to kind of ship more directly to consumer mm-hmm. or put in like the time and the work and the effort to reach consumers remotely if they couldn't sit or come to their tap room for whatever reason. So uh, craft beer will find a way, and beer has definitely been helping me through. Absolutely, me as well. And uh, it is, I wish here in Quebec in, that the, the stupid government would cut down on the archaic liquor laws and let brewers just ship to the consumer's house already please they need it they need it they need it so i keep saying it all the time support local craft beer breweries if they can't get it to you and you want it and you want them to keep brewing go there and pick it up and help them out what are you sipping on there it looks delicious and ominous there uh so i have your friend death an imperial stout from cosmic eye brewing very nice uh, I think it's about 8.4%. So it's imperial enough that we should have a good conversation, uh, but not so much that I'll start slurring my words. <laughs> it's an imperial oatmeal style. Uh, I'm drinking out of a glass from Adroit Theory. I know you had Mark on recently. First and foremost, support your local brewery, but there has to be uh, a level of accessibility for breweries that I think wineries seem to enjoy for whatever reason, shipping directly to consumer. And there are services like Tavor based out of Seattle who are chopping away at that. And I think they're like 47 states wide now. But if this year has proven anything else, like people to sustain their businesses and their breweries, like they just need to like update very archaic laws, cut out the middleman and just give the people what they want, which is beer. Yeah, absolutely. And it all stems bound to to laws that were created right after the prohibition. So it's it's just so dumb that it's still that way. Uh, on my side, I have two options of beer to drink. 
they are both my collabs, so I, I wanted to present them to you. I've been doing this for the past few podcasts recently. Actually, you're the first one that people are going to see because of how I'm releasing stuff. First one is from Overhop Canada. This is the Vox and Overhops, the Double Dry Hop New England IPA, hopped with Vic Secret Enigma and Citra Hops. Clocks in at 7%. And the other option, which you will choose for me to drink, is the Crisp Topsy. This is uh, a collab beer that Kanawagi Brewing Company made for my band Cryptopsy. Uh, we have an album called Whisper Supremacy. This is Crisp Topsy Pilsner Supremacy. It is a new world Pilsner because it has been double dry hopped with mosaic hops and it's got some bohemian yeast in it, which just makes it just super wild. So which beer should I drink? Most metal. Um, I think we'll have a good enough conversation that you can drink them both. Part of me wants you to see you drink your own Vox and Hops beer on the Vox and Hops podcast. Uh, at the end of the day, I think I'll always give it to a craft Pilsner over a, over a hazy IPA if I'm choosing. Um, so I'm not going to tell you what to drink. I'm going to encourage you to drink them both. Yes. I forgot to put the Pilsner in the fridge, so I'm going to drink the cold one. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. The Vox and Overhops from Overhop Canada, which I love to death. Uh, let's uh, dance into beer. Why beer? Uh, do you remember that very, very first beer that you had, Adam? Oh, I do. I remember the, the first beer I had and the first craft beer I had. I think it's important distinction. And I've I've listened to your uh, your podcast a lot and everyone has like a really similar origin story which is always always great to tell and it reminds me just you know what a community we're a part of but uh i think my very first beer i mean it doesn't really matter whether it was bud or coors or Takati, you know it was, it was one of those beers that i remember like my dad letting me have a sip of at a very young age young enough that the only reason i remember it is because i thought it was just excessively bitter and like <laughs> immediately recoiled and i kind of grew up with that impression of beer and it's funny because all those kind of beers now when i taste them I, in my mind they're excessively sweet and, you know? and super 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 tasteless thomas <laughs> right i mean they're brewed to be as neutral and inoffensive as possible but i think my biggest argument against them is i mean they have no they have no bite. They have no hot bitterness. That is correct. No hot bitterness. Hot bitterness is challenging. It can be aggressive. So all these beers, they just taste super sweet to me. And it's kind of funny that they're the marketing behind them so long was, uh, you know, for manly men. It's kind of funny that all these manly men love these kind of light, thin, sweet beers. So <laughs> that was my general impression of beer growing up. And maybe into college, I studied abroad in Germany for a uh. summer, which kind of showed me um, just true depth of flavor and character and just a whole other animal that beer could be. And of course, these are beers with like centuries of tradition behind them. Um, and I came back to the States, which is kind of a renewed interest and enthusiasm in beer, which led me to, um, to the like Sierras of the world, to anchor brewing, uh, to, to Liberty ale, you know, and uh, kind of classic American hot bitterness that just drew me like a moth to the flame. And uh, that interest in beer, that curiosity persisted after college, which led me to New York City. Um, but it wasn't until a brief stint living in Los Angeles that I just got completely immersed in the craft beer culture there. Um, I started helping out on Brew Day in a little pub in Hermosa Beach, California, that was actually set up in the rehearsal space where uh, Black Flag used to rehearse and exercise their demons. That's amazing. Um, 
Yeah. And started helping out brewing these uh, just world-class, uh, bracingly bitter West Coast style IPAs, watching the sun come up over the Pacific. And I thought, man, this is something. And the guy doing it, his name was is Brian Brewer. He operates a brewery called Hop Saint now. And he would start at the crack of dawn blasting uh, Meshuga and Slayer. <laughs> this beer, like it's hard labor. It is hot labor and it's industrial it work. And beer spends so much of its life in and around metal. You know, it just, it made a lot of sense. And I thought this could be a thing. Um, this could be my new thing. This could be my people, uh, my tribe, what I've been looking for. And I went up and down the California coast and I just kind of developed this theory that no matter where I go, no matter what the brewery was deep within the brew house is a metalhead or someone who's at least influenced by hard rock and heavy music. And I took that back to New York city with me and started doing beer retail and then sales working for different breweries. And I just found the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, whether it was in a bottle shop, whether it was in a brewery, whether it was on the account level on one side of the bar or the other, there's all these people that grew up on um, heavy metal, heavy music, rock and roll, and beer was giving them like uh, not only just a viable sense of employment, but fulfillment. Like forget about the uh, Screen Actors Guild or anything else, man. I mean, I think the alcohol <laughs> industry is the single largest employer of artists, performers, creative individuals, That's and true. certainly metalheads in the world. And then it was just off to the, it was just off to the races after that. It became a part of, part of who I was and a, just a part of my persona and my pitch and my life going forward. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. And it's, I, I want to say, it's, I'm so surprised it's taken me over 200 episodes to sit down with you. <laughs> um, I mean, Tony Bellis first turned me on to Vox and Hops from, uh, from KCBC. And um, you're known and loved, my friend. And again, I think it's just because you are you are shining a light on this scene, helping catalog it, uh, showing that it's not just kind of like an underground one-off thing. Hmm. Like it is a community of deep belief. It's true. It's beautiful. It's 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 uh, it's it's our our people. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that that we get to be a part of. Uh, but take me back to growing up, and just you know, you had to understand metal for you to understand that there is a community in the craft beer and metal world. So take me back to your youth when you were growing up. What it would it be the soundtrack of your youth when you're growing up in your parents' or guardians' home? What music was playing when you were not in control? Uh, um, I mean, thankfully, when I was not in control, there was still good music playing. Um, I definitely grew up in a, in a hippie household. And uh, as a result, there was a lot of a lot of rock and roll from the 60s. Very cool. You know, um, and I always understood there was like a deep rooted blues influence in that rock and roll. And uh, I kind of naturally gravitated towards the darker side of that music, be it the Velvet Underground, the Doors, and then on to Led Zeppelin. Um, but I definitely grew, grew up on classic rock at home. And if I had to really say what the soundtrack of my youth became once I was in control or once I had that moment, I mean, the soundtrack was definitely the Crow movie. <laughs> really? <laughs> Without a question, because I kind of I kind of came of age, I guess, at the tail end of Seattle. Um, like Cobain had already committed suicide. Uh, and I think right around that same time, shortly after, like the Crow was 
released and I know I didn't catch it until maybe it was on the end of its run or maybe after it made its way in dollar <laughs> cinemas, but that just changed everything. Cause at that moment there again, I was already interested in the darker and the heavier side of the Seattle sound, which, you know, like Soundgarden and Alice in Chains. And if I'm honest with myself, I mean, I, I still think Soundgarden might be one of the greatest bands that ever, ever lived. Um, but the Crow soundtrack came out and, I mean, Brandon Lee became my instant man crush and I grew my hair long <laughs> and just realized the world was much bigger than my own in Dallas, Texas. And that soundtrack turned me on to uh, Nine Inch Nails and Helmet and Pantera and Rage Against the Machine. And uh, there, from there, it wasn't a short leap to Tool, who I'm a big fan of. And from there, I worked my way back and kind of looked again at like the darker side of the 60s into Led Zeppelin, into Black Sabbath eventually into Metallica. And of course I'd heard like one and inner Sandman, but once I heard master of puppets and ride the lightning, I realized, my God, like, Oh fuck. I, I'd never heard Metallica before, you know? And then it was, it was just off to the races. And one more thing worth mentioning. I, I had a, a friend like in high school play my dying bride for me. And I remember just thinking like, what the fuck is this? Like, how can it go on for 20 minutes? <laughs> how can there be strings? How can there be keyboards? And how can it just hold me so completely? And then I think in, in recent years, that interest in doom metal has come around again. I was kind of late to the game with bands like Yob, but what Yob is doing, what Paul Bear is doing, Chemist, Windham, like that all this is kind of also like that there's a strong underground current scene in recent years of doom metal has kept me inspired. So that is, that's my, my musical journey in a nutshell. I love it. It's beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, let's talk a little bit about how the whole creation of the six most metal breweries happened from its inception up until today. Why do you do this? Hmm. So it really developed, uh, organically out of the life I was living in New York city. Uh, like I said, just doing, doing beer sales and just becoming like this heavy metal beer rep. And that was, uh, was a big selling point how i was just connecting with people on the on the ground um but it's the only time in my life that that those shared interests led me to a group of friends that could help bring that interest to the next level and help it become a reality like i never i never played in a band like the dream and the ambition was always there but i just never really connected with other musicians organically on that level um but it was literally through doing beer sales, through through working um, like New York City Beer Week and uh, meeting a small production team uh, by the name of Derek Ingber and Jeremy Batchelor. Derek is now our editor and um, additional eyes and ears for me on set. Jeremy is our rock star director of photography um who also plays bass so legitimately rock star uh, i met them at a new york city craft beer week they filmed me when i was working for a brewery sent the video my way and um it, nothing else really came of it but then at megadeth's uh not so secret show at saint vitus billed as vic and Rowlett, and uh, i think everyone everyone knew um <laughs> but sure enough derek recognized me at the bar jeremy was there actually shooting megadeth filming the show and at that time, I had a script for um, a short zombie movie. It was called Beer Like and Das Movie about green beer turning people into green zombies. It was inspired by a bar <laughs> called Beer Like in, in Ridgewood, Queens. Rest in peace. It's no more. Um, 
and again, I'd always been an actor and an interest in being a performer. And I was trying to put this together and couldn't find anyone who could make any sense of it, you know? <laughs> and finally I realized, okay, so these guys, like they have a background in production. Uh, they're looking for work. They're looking to tell a story. Like they're obviously interested in beer. They're obviously interested in metal. So we came together and put beer like in Das movie together, filmed the whole thing with people like all in the beer industry, because again, there's no shortage of actors, musicians, makeup artists, everything you need. Um, we put together this short and by the time it was done and out into the world, um, I knew I wanted to make a heavy metal beer show. Um, I knew we worked well together. Uh, I knew it was the closest thing I'd ever had to a band. So I just started to ask myself, what is next? And from that, just evolved uh, the idea of uh, continuing to work with St. Vitus Bar, uh, landmark metal bar in Greenpoint, where we all really kind of like formally met, and then bring KCBC into the fold, uh, just because I knew, even though they weren't like a metal brewery per se, I just knew by reputation that Tony Bellis, uh, one of their owners and founders, was a metalhead. Uh, Pete, another owner and founder, definitely into like uh, hardcore and punk. Zach is kind of the third part of their power trio there. And uh, he's just an all around rock star. And these guys were a young brewery that we're looking to collaborate and we're definitely influenced by music. So I thought let's bring them together with St. Vitus and make a beer for Vitus. Um, and Vitus, of course, can't throw happy hour. I mean, how metal is that? So <laughs> they threw or at the time had a morbid hour. Hell yes. uh, so the idea of a beer called morbid hour suiting kind of the, the the darkness of Vitus, the theme of Vitus, making a beer that you could enjoy many of during a show. Um, it all just kind of flowed from there. And we filmed it every step of the way. That's amazing. Morbid Hour. It's such a great name. And um St. Vitus is super cool. I've I've played there and it's just just excellent time every single time. And I'm looking forward to getting back to it after the, you know, apocalypse is, is, is through and we can start doing that again. <laughs> I'm sure they look forward to having you back. Uh, much needed. Let's talk a little bit more. There's something very cool that's happening today, uh, December 14th. If anyone was listening to this after I dropped this episode, you got some cool announcements happening today uh, in regards to exactly what we just talked about. So, so what's going on there? So um, more of our friends from the North, I never would have known we'd have so much so much help and support from Canada. Um, but a while back, I connected um, with with Banger Films, and uh, for that, I really have to give a shout to Adam Tepedlin, uh, the author of Brutal Truth. And um, if there was a moment when I ever realized beer and metal was a thing, not only a thing, but like someone had written a book about it and published a column about it, it was with credit to. To Adam and uh, and of course to Albert at Decibel Magazine. Um, so we've been in touch. Uh, he published uh, an article about six MMB and Decibel at one point in the Brutal Truth column. They introduced me to Banger Films because again, it is a is a very small world, and um, he just he knows I think better than any how we all need to support each other. Cause I think what seems so obvious to us and so kind of like big in our sphere is still like very niche within niche elsewhere. It's true. Uh, to quote Albert. Um, <laughs> so, Al, uh, so Adam introduced me to banger and after so much, uh, so many emails and so much harassment, I managed to get through to a producer there and um, they are going to launch our unreleased pilot episode on Monday, the 14th of December coming up here 
to coincide with the re-release of Morbid Hour Black Pilsner, which is being canned this week and should launch the same day next Monday, December 14th. Excellent. Which is which is today for everyone that's listening to this or yesterday or, you know, December 14th, <laughs> December 14th if you didn't listen to this episode when it just dropped. But that's very cool. A black Pilsner. I like that. Let's talk about that. What 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 exactly? Where did this come from? Is this the exact beer that was was brewed for the original Morbid Hour? It is. Um, you know, KCBC might do like subtle tweaks with uh, the grain or the hop bill. But it's still the same beer, uh, still the same spirit and character that it ever was. It's brewed to 4.666% alcohol. Of course, we had to add an extra decibel there. Um, But um, the idea was, I mean, just to make, I think, my absolute favorite style of beer, which is dark lager, Schwartz beer. Um, I dug a little bit deeper into the history of it and realized, like, it's also known as Black Pills or Black Pills in Germany, which I don't think you see commonly on the market here. so the whole idea of developing a, a black uh, pilsner that is still uh, like approachable, easy to drink, yeah, you can have like more than a, more than one without regrets. You know, these are the kind of beers that St. Vitus Bar, like all the owners there, uh, much love to George and Artie and Dave and Caroline, uh, even though she is gluten free and sticks to cider. Um, <laughs> they all they they're not really into the big kind of IPA craze and trend uh they like beer for drinking and i think that sometimes leads them down the rabbit hole of beers that we might not agree on but it was a great thing that we could make a beer to their taste that they could pour and drink with pride at Vitus. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I can agree with them too, being, you know, having a metal bar. You don't want a bunch of metalheads walking in. You know, we, we are very well behaved most of the time, but, uh, you know, if you pound through, you know, four, seven percent double dry hopped hazy New England's, you're going to be far more rambunctious than a 4.666% black pilsner. <laughs> very true. Um, to your, your point, I have found most metalheads to be uh, just uh, some of the sweetest people you would ever imagine, even if they look scary as hell on the outside. Um, but it's, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious why. I mean, you get it out through the music, you express that in the music. And I mean, I've had nights at Vitus where I was, of course, just so drunk. I felt no pain and was in the center of the pit and like lived to tell the tale, thankfully. Um, but otherwise, I mean, if if you want, if you're going there on a regular basis and really want to like take in a show and remember it and have that experience, uh, a 4.66%, 666% black filter, <laughs> I think is going to suit the occasion. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, about this pilot, what would be the next step? How do people encourage you so that it becomes more than a pilot? At this point, I mean, it is, um, it is a really open collaboration. Like we, uh, when it all started our logic, well, if we're in the business with what is most metal, uh, we're going to put a six on everything. So we're going to call it the six most metal breweries. Uh, we're going to shoot for six episodes per season. If it's successful, hopefully someone will give us six more. We're going to do the six most metal bars per episode, per city, per region, where we find ourselves. Very cool. It's kind of like making music, man. I mean, you can, yeah, you can just improvise and freeform, but I like having some foundation, like something to riff off and ground us. And that was the six. And our pilot with uh, KCBC and Vitus was really just meant to be proof of concept for that. And, uh, you know, in, uh, in, the, in the really real world, once the show does get picked up and developed into a series, if we kept the six and proceeded this way, we'd probably reshoot uh, with KCBC um possibly like uh with saint vitus again making morbid hour for the win 
We might bring a band though into the fold and also create a band beer to perform at Vitus, that kind of thing. So cool. Um, but above all, like we really want this to be like a travel series that leads us around the States first and foremost, uh, then potentially internationally, definitely up to Canada after I see like just the wealth of beers, uh, that you were sharing via Vox and Hustle. And I think, um, we could as easily remove the six and it could just be kind of this open-ended, the most metal breweries thing. Uh, I also kind of like the idea of it becoming more of a documentary format. Uh, and maybe we do the six most metal breweries and then we move on to the six most metal wineries, the six most metal distilleries, the six most metal coffee roasters and restaurants. I mean, there's endless opportunity to franchise this concept because again, you will find disciples and descendants of hard rock and heavy music in every interesting industry that you look at. Uh, so whatever the beverage is, whatever the product is, like if you and I want it, we know that somewhere there is like a metalhead behind it. Um, so in short, like it really is kind of an open dialogue at this point. And in a, in a perfect world, we would uh, gain enough traction with our pilot from um, uh, St. Vitus and KCVC via Banger to go on to shoot five more episodes, maybe reshoot that pilot and call that the first season and hope for more seasons to come. Or we could expand to work with other disciplines, other industries, uh, other fermented beverage. And above all, I think I just want to make the best beer show of all time, or even just a good beer show, because as far as I can say, there really never has been. I don't know why it's so hard or so complicated and why there's general resistance to it. I think part of it is because like beer is a, uh, it's, it's, you know, fermentation is generally closed. So it's mm -hmm. hard to like capture the visual element like you do with, uh, with food and on uh, cooking shows. Cause there's so many out there, you know, you gotta, you got the yeast is a private thing. It likes to do a thing it in the dark <laughs> <laughs> more often than not. That's right. Um, but, uh, I would like to make a beer show that kind of really transcends all boundaries. And that means capturing, uh, of course, the beer nerd, the beer geek, um, the metal head. I think the music help puts it over the top and brings a whole other element of entertainment in addition to like the education. And then just everyone in between. I mean, that's my job as host to draw people in that would just watch for the the sheer novelty of something they never thought of before, something they didn't realize existed. Um, even though it's obvious to us, I don't think the majority of people know that there are uh, not only metal inspired breweries out there, but just like metal breweries, period. I mean, that's what they were founded upon. So Yes, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And that's where I was exactly headed. You, you, you've seen a lot more than I have, having been able to travel a lot and uh, been doing this for a bit longer to me. Uh, what are the most extreme metal breweries? You mentioned Adroit Theory a little bit earlier. You also gave a shout out to Chemist a little bit earlier, so obviously that ropes in True Brewing out of Denver, Colorado. Though I know of a few, but I would like to hear from you. Who are the most extreme metal brewers out there? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like, our list, our pitch, whether it's six or not, has changed so many times um, because there are There's way so too many. many breweries out there <laughs> once you start looking. Um and I have to, yes, like you have to give a shout uh, to the OGs, to the early adopters. And I mean, everyone always cites Three Floyds for that reason. Absolutely. Um, true as well, as you mentioned. To me, uh, I mean, the, the, the single most interesting phenomenon and like that, what I find really compelling is 
the people that have and continue to open up metal breweries and metal inspired breweries within the last like three to five years. And that's where like a KCBC comes in. Um, that's where an adroit theory comes in. Um, we really sat down and counted it out. And I mean, we could just as easily do like the 66 most metal breweries. Um, I remain just firmly committed to working with KCBC and adroit theory, uh, for those reasons, not only just for their commitment to like, um, to being metal or metal inspired and for like extreme beers or even non-extreme beers, but still just capture like that rock star ethic, um, and that heavy metal aesthetic, like in their branding, mm-hmm. um, Wayfinder cannot be denied in Portland, Oregon, just the empire they have going on there between Wayfinder, Sizzle Pie and Relapse Records. Um, But again, like Cosmic Eye, like I'm drinking now, I mean, they are they claim to be the most heaviest and rudest brewery in Nebraska in their own words. I can't wait to check them out. Wake Brewing in Illinois is doing incredible work. Um, So the breweries that have opened recently and continue to open and uh fly that flag despite the fact that i mean craft beer is so arguably oversaturated at the moment so it really is a passion project to me that is the most compelling story to tell mm-hmm. i agree with that too i always say that whenever i ask a new brewer i'm like but why did you start <laughs> how do you think you have enough space for yourself <laughs> right yeah but you know the the majority of people that are drinking drink big market brews. There's still a huge, huge percentage of people that we need to pull into the craft beer world. So, so that's yeah. what you, you and my job is going to be to, 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 you know, tailgate parting, super fun before, before a gig, before a football game. But there's a bunch of metalheads in that, that could be drinking great craft beer too. So much, so much agreed. Um, whatever the, whatever the message is behind drinking like craft beer instead of craft beer, you know I mean? Some people do it just because it's, it's, it's cheap and it's accessible. And maybe they think that says something about them, you know, that they're like fucking low maintenance and like, you know, craft beer is the other end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, we try to prove that wrong just by, again, like releasing a beer that's like 4.6%. Exactly. It's not going to knock you on your ass. Just like this one. Overly complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Just like this one. (laughs) We got so much shit. I I saw people in the comments. Oh, cryptopsy should have an extreme beer. It should be up, you know, past 9% because the band's so extreme. And I'm like, this is an avant-garde beer. Yeah. Cryptopsy is an avant-garde band. They've did a lot of very forward-thinking albums, and this is a forward-thinking style brew. So it might not be over, you know, it's not even five percent, but the style and the concept behind it is extremely advanced and avant-garde. So very much agreed. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be extreme to be a metal beer. You know, I think if anyone, I mean, anyone taking that same kind of energy into recipe development yes. and into the the aesthetic and into their branding, I mean, that beer can be every color of the rainbow and any alcohol content, you know? So um, I just think understanding that like craft beer is more accessible, more affordable. Um, there really is no negative stigma around it in my mind. It's always been like such a welcoming, inclusive and misfit industry. I mean, the fact is like most Americans now live within 10 miles of a craft brewery and they drink and support that brewery with the same amount of like local pride that they would any other local product, you know? So it's, um, 
it's it's a beautiful thing to witness like beer now in america anyways i think is kind of a return to what it was pre-prohibition and the idea of like you're just going to get you're just going to go down the street and take beer directly home it's fresh then and there and you don't necessarily have to go elsewhere for it with that comes obviously increasing competition and saturation uh, in the market you know and uh craft beer does remain i think remarkably friendly despite the fact that in the end of the day i mean all these breweries of course have a business to run which is interesting you think about a band selling out so you have these og metal brewers doing all these beers let's say five six years ago before the haze craze and now they feel like they're stuck and they have to make some haze to keep going is that sort of like them selling out like metallica doing the those newer albums versus the master of puppets yeah yeah that's funny i i do you're right i kind of see hazy ipa new england ipa it's almost like bullying in that respect um but they have to make like you have to do it yeah yeah you have to do it or it's lost sales i mean i have i have such mixed feelings about it and i almost feel like maybe like an old man talking about it you know because it's like you cannot deny hazy ipa um in the same way that i don't like all the kind of piss mass market uh pilsners and loggers out there because i find them excessively sweet because of the lack of hot bitterness and the excess of adjunct and cheap uh, ash ingredients yeah alternative (laughs) alternative principles for sure um the same thing with like new england ipa and hazy ipa i don't understand again the 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 lack of bitterness and the emphasis on like the juice Mm -hmm. just and it looks like shit in the glass in addition to that so it's like if you want to drink unfiltered fruit juice you can drink unfiltered (laughs) fruit juice i mean if you want a smoothie more power to you um, but, uh, that shouldn't necessarily be like the dominating craft beer on the market, because again, I think it will t- turn off like the vast majority of consumers, um, or new consumers who are curious about craft beer and they walk into like their local hype brewery and there are nothing but like double to triple IPAs on the board. They drink it all like it is fruit juice and then don't understand why they're so fucking hung over the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I have definitely done that. <laughs> Let's wrap this up with, with one last question. Um, it probably never happens to you, but as we just mentioned, it does happen sometimes. What is your hangover cure? <laughs> um, there is no cure. I hate to break that to you or your <laughs> listeners. Um, I, I wish I had, I wish I had it. If I ever forget, I'll let you know. Um, you probably heard like Jim cook from Boston beer, the rumor that he would, consume like dry yeast or baker's yeast or something before going to a to an event or a tap takeover and it would keep him grounded or sober but really it's kind of the same argument like they used to drink unfiltered german hefeweizen because all the yeast is still in the bottle and it contains all those b vitamins and it'll keep you grounded but if you drink too much of it i don't think it'll save you in the end Uh, it has to be a solid solid foundation of food and water so and a moderation moderation and if not moderation <laughs> just a whole lot of everything be that drink be that water i mean the problem is like, I mean, maybe you'd be okay if you had a pint of water for every pint of beer you drank i just know in my case like once i'm three beers in i'm much more interested in the fourth fifth and sixth beer <laughs> than i am in the fourth fifth and sixth pint of water so we always start with good intentions <laughs> always always <laughs> Adam, thank you so, so much for taking the time uh, talking to me about your life, talking about music, and talking about a whole bunch of craft beer. Uh, I'm super stoked about this pilot. I'm super stoked about the Morbid Hour, Black Pilsner that's being canned. Uh, Everyone go pick that up. 
support it enjoy it it came out today december 14th drink it cheers cheers matt grateful for it keep it metal my friend thank you very much Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. What an excellent human. I had so much fun finally catching up with Adam. Such a fan of what he does. I wish I could get my hands on that Black Pilsner, the Morbid Hour from Kings County Brewers Collective, which dropped today. You should all most definitely go check out that pilot episode of the Six Most Metal Breweries, which is on Banger TV. I have put the link for that in the description of this podcast. And uh, if you want this to be something that continues, you got to support it, people. So go check it out and support craft beer and metal content. You know that I love it, and I think that you will as well. Adam also wrote me and told me that he forgot to give a shout out to Trappist, the awesome craft beer and metal band, which features Chris Dodge, the Vox and Hops alumni, and of course the dude behind the No Corporate Beer column of Decibel Magazine, another excellent human. Look at all these amazing people that love craft beer and metal. We are all one, one family, one community. And I absolutely fucking love that. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should most definitely go and subscribe to it on the podcast platform of your choice. But not only that, you could also take the time to rate it and write a review. Because if you do that, more people just like yourself will be able to discover the Vox and Hops podcast. Vox and Hops is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I have two more episodes coming at you this week. One dropping tomorrow and then another on Friday. But until then, remember to Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Fox and Hops heads. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.